everybody. Today's episode is going to be an interview I conducted with my friend Joseph Beard, better known as Joe Beard. Uh, So Joe, he is the host of another podcast dealing with HBCU bands. It is called The Marching Podcast. It's a great podcast. I actually, once upon a time, was a panelist on that podcast. It's kind of like a sports center show, but it's dealing with bands, HBCU bands only. And so he is so used to being the one interviewing people, I thought I would turn the tables on him and and interview him to find out more about him, where he got started. He also marched into HBCU bands and so how he got from where he was to creating the marching podcast. So let's go ahead and listen to my interview with Joe Beard. Okay, I am really excited about today's podcast because I have a very dear friend with me today. Um, His name is Joseph Beard. He is the founder of The Marching Podcast, which I have been a guest on. Um, I was actually a panelist a year or so ago, a regular panelist. And I'm just really excited to have him um, on the podcast so I can talk to him about his experiences. Um, he marched at uh, Johnson C. Smith. He marched at, uh, John- at Jackson State. But I'll let him talk a little bit more about that. So how you doing, Joe? I'm doing well. I'm honored. Thanks for having me. How are you doing? (laughs) I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. So I want to start off by asking you, like, tell me about, like, your hometown. Where did you grow up? And, you know, when was your, do you remember your first time seeing an HBCU band? Just talk to me a little bit about that. Okay. So I'm from uh, St. Louis, Missouri. And um, uh, my father is from Jackson. And okay. my mother is from Charlotte, North Carolina. And okay. uh, what happened was, was my dad finished Jackson State. He marched in the band. And he finished Jackson State in 1966 and then uh, moved to St. Louis to get his master's at Washington University. Um, my mother finished Spelman in 1971, and then she moved to St. Louis to attend Washington University to get her master's degree. Uh, my dad stayed in St. Louis after Washington University and then got his Ph.D. at St. Louis University, and then he met my mom. And then long story short, you know, I could tell that, you know, two HBCU grads in a different city from their hometown, they're from their education, they had me. And that's mm-hmm. essentially everything my life is about now. Um, and um, it was really important for my parents because they had good jobs. They had, uh, we were like in a really nice neighborhood, but they they felt that it was really important for me to be around black people mm-hmm. and not be in a low, necessarily a low economic area of black people, but they wanted to put me in anything that involved, you know, intelligent black people. So uh, my mother was active with Spelman, Spelman College alumni in the St. Louis area. My dad was active with the Jackson State Alumni Association in that area. So uh, he was, he's an out, my dad's an alpha. Um, and my mother, you know, uh, she kind of held on basically to Spelman because um, they didn't have sororities when she was there on the campus. Mm-hmm. Um, but essentially, everywhere I went, I was in Jack and Jill. I was in some type of uh, upper bound program, something where it was like a whole bunch of educated black folks together. 
And then I would meet, like, my friends, and then they would connect with other HBCU graduates in the area and stuff. And so that was how they raised me, just making sure I was surrounded by, you know, good people going somewhere. Okay. Uh, Yeah. Yeah. And then then the other side of that was the band. So other than, you know, me being in those groups, they wanted to take me to um, Black College Games. So in the Midwest, you got Chicago. We had Indianapolis. Um, yeah, and then we had Memphis. So between those cities, I saw Jackson State every year. <laughs> you know, right. like my dad wanted me to make sure that I had the black college experience through the football games. So basically, mm-hmm. probably from I was in probably fourth grade, I was trying to, like, play uh, the trumpet and trying to, like, just play everything I saw Jackson State did. Um, okay. And then as you And then as you know, uh, BET started showing the games. Right, right. And and I so then once days. that happened, I do too. So I used to just videotape the games, and then so I would I. throughout the week march in front of my TV and have play and like do all of that stuff, like like in mm-hmm. like in my house. Right. So I knew I was going to a black college probably from like fifth or sixth grade, and I knew I was gonna march in the band too. Right. Okay. So you yeah. you played the trumpet. And what did your dad yeah. play? My dad played trumpet. I actually okay. played his trumpet. Um, okay. All through um, up until the seventh grade, my grandmother bought me uh, a new trumpet. But I had two trumpets then, so I, I, I got to practice with my dad's. And then, like, if I went out uh, for a competition or something, I had another horn. Um, but right. then when I went to Smith my first year, and even when I went to Jackson State, I took that horn with me because it was like good luck. And I pulled it out and played it just so I could say that I played my dad's horn when I got to college. You know what I mean? So I still cool have it story. and everything. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. So you, okay, so you were, just, you were a trumpet player. And let, uh, how was your high school? Was it core style? Was it traditional? It was core style, but I could tell you in St. Louis, no one really cared about band that much to, to like, know the differences of stuff. Okay. Um, there were a couple of bands that it was basically all core style, but it was nothing serious about bands. It was a very small group of people that was concerned, black or white, about bands. You know what I mean? And it was, like, probably mm-hmm. the parents of people who were in band themselves, you know. Right. Uh, but, yeah, right. it was core style or however you want to call that, yeah. Right. Okay. So it was even though even though you grew up watching the, the tapes and things at Jackson State when you, when you actually got to college, it was an adjustment, right? Like you didn't just automatically. It yeah. It, it was the very first experience I had like that was um, I went to FAMU's band camp in '95, and that was okay. my first time actually being in a band like that where I actually like was learning like to dance and to march and to play all at once because everything before it was just me in my house in front of the VCR mm-hmm. doing it. And sometimes right. even like when I was in high school, I would have like moments in the band room or in practice where I would act like I was like Jackson State and everybody would be mm-hmm. like, hey, what you doing? Like, you know what I'm saying? So right. I had them little moments, but it wasn't until 95 that I actually was actually in, in the experience. 
So my question to you is, what made you choose Jackson State? I mean, I know that your dad went there, and you grew up like between you said Memphis, Chicago, and 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 in and, and Indianapolis, seeing Jackson State was was that the thing that made you go there? No, I hated Jackson State, Christy Parker. Like there was what? no way in the world I was going to Jackson State, and because. My dad, he loves him from Jackson State, so he did a good job of showing it to me, but I wanted to have, like, my own path. Um, okay. My mom, because she was from Spelman, and you know that Carolina area, y'all are a little bit, like, more, it's the south, but it's a little bit more, like, east coast-like. So yeah, well, my, yeah. My, my, so my mom would bring up, with her experience, she would talk about fam more. She would talk mm-hmm. about fam and she would talk about a and a little bit, but I had two parents where it was like my parents both weren't from the SWAC, so I wasn't just all swacked out. Like, I had two sides of things. Okay. And because my dad and my family went to Jackson State, I figured that I would go somewhere else to, like, start a tradition in another place because I was so used to Jackson State. Like, I saw them every year, and they were good, but I was like, man, I want to do something else. Right. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, and then I went to Johnson C. Smith. Well, well technically, uh, uh, okay, so I can, I can be real because I am totally at peace about this. I originally picked Hampton. Okay. Okay. And I was going to march at Hampton. That was my choice. Uh, I got kicked out the pre-college program. No, are you serious? <laughs> yeah, yeah. So brother was smoking weed. And, uh, yes, and they were not playing, Christy. They was like, if we find a seed in your room, if we don't want any drugs, there was this girl who just went to prison for, like, moving drugs for this Jamaican dude, and she went Mm -hmm. to, and it was, it was like the, it was the corner story of that year. Um, and, uh, they had that story as like, we're not except, we are zero tolerance. And um, I honestly, Chrissy, I had just started really smoking, so I didn't know about, like, covering up the smell. Like, I didn't know anything. I was so green with it, you know. Oh, my and gosh. I got caught. Pardon yep, me. I got caught. Yeah, I got caught, and they kicked me out. Um, my father was actually in Jackson at the time. He, he got the call, drove to St. Louis to pick up my mother, and then went from St. Louis to Virginia to Hampton to come pick me up. And boy, let me tell they didn't say they picked me up and they didn't say anything to me the whole way back. Well, yeah, and I could tell. Yeah. And I could tell I heard them because I could tell, like, oh, my are they going to kill me? Like, I was like, oh, my God, this is really bad. Um, but I could just see the look in their face. So that from there, I started kind of getting things together as far as maybe not maybe thinking before I act. And a lot of those lessons my parents taught me just because I saw how much it hurt them. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then I basically had a second chance. I was like, please let me go away to school. I don't want to stay in St. Louis. And uh, I picked Johnson C. Smith because that was like the second school on my list. And my grandmother stayed down the street. So it right. was somewhat like I have some type of family there, you know. Mm-hmm. And uh, mm-hmm. I went there for a year, met the great Duncan C. Gray, had a wonderful experience. But after seeing Jackson State so much, 
um, the game, there weren't enough people at the games for me, and we just weren't a big enough program for me. You know what I mean? So, so let's hold on. Let's 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 before we go into the Jackson State thing, I want to talk about your experience at Smith. So okay. So how was it marching? You, so you marched under Duncan Gray. Yeah. Okay. So. Like, tell me a little bit about, like, some of the things that you experienced while you were in the band at Smith and, you know, just your overall thoughts on it. Well, at Smith, we weren't, like, we weren't all that. Like, like we weren't, like, uh, a huge force to deal with, but uh, the, com- the camaraderie between each other across the sections was really good. Like, everybody who marched with me that year, is still a really close friend, and I still keep up with them. So okay. it was a really special time at Smith. Like, I I really love Johnson C. Smith. You know what I mean? It was definitely a family knit thing. We were close, and we were all we had. I mean, it was only like four trumpets. Mm-hmm. So, so right. we were tight because it was like, man, like, you know, um, so I had a good experience there. We We had a lot of heart, and we had a lot of energy. Mm-hmm. And I remember Mr. Gray would, he would give us these talks and he would just inspire the hell out of us. He was like, you the greatest, I'm the greatest, and we're going to go out here and show everybody. Like, you, right. you know, like we would get, mm-hmm. we would get crunk. Like, you know, he would lead us in the battle for real. Mm-hmm. Um, and then my, 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 my most favorite time at Smith's was uh, we played South Carolina State. And uh, I talked to Ernest about this, Ernest Stackhouse, because he was yeah. there. He was marching that year. And um, he said, man, we saw y'all on the, the schedule, and we laughed. He was mm-hmm. like, Johnson C. Smith, like, what is that, you know? And, uh, Chrissy, that was the, I think that was the greatest week of practice in Johnson C. Smith history. We were so <laughs> focused. We were there an hour. Every day we were there an hour early. I mean, we were it was full energy. We were late at night. I mean, it was the greatest practice ever, and we had a really good performance. What happened was it was the perfect storm because not only did South Carolina State sleep on us, but mm-hmm. they didn't have any respect for us to, like, make a new show. So they did the mm-hmm. same show the previous week in their home and on their home field. Mm-hmm. And we went out there, all probably 40 of us, we went out there and we was, you know, we was full energy. And then I remember we was, uh, you remember that song that Poe Pimp, Do You Want to Ride? Yeah, uh-huh, Back uh-huh. We did that and the breakdown and the whole stadium, Christy, like went crazy. Oh, like, wow. Oh, my God. Like, so after they did that, and you know how you turn it on when the crowd give you some house. Yeah. Christy Walker, I'm telling you, that might have been the greatest performance of my life. (laughs) So so we came off the field, and South Carolina State did that show, and the crowd was like, I mean, they barely even clapped. And when they marched off, boy, we was like, we won. We won. Mm -hmm. And it's like even to this day, you know, we be letting South Carolina State folks have it. So. Yeah, um, I remember deep down feeling good, but at the same time, I knew I was like that. They were huge, like like they totally slept on us. And I knew deep down, I was like, if they really wanted to, they could embarrass us. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. So, uh, so that was kind of the experience at Smith. We were small, and I always had in the back of my head my Jackson State experience, but 
there was so much love there, and I love Mr. Gray so much. It was it was like, man, I, I really enjoy being here. Um, until we ran into Dudley High School, and that oh, just boy. wiped out everything. Yeah, Dudley and uh, R.I.P. to um, uh, what's the brother's name? He just that's right, Brian Millsap. Brian Millsap. He was he was the director there. And so you know, I actually school. marched with him. You know, I marched with him at A and T. So yeah. No, I <laughs> no, I did know that. I did yeah, know that. Yeah. I did know that. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so they came into Charlotte, Christy, and they looked just like A and T. I mean, they might as well have been A mm-hmm. and T. And they came in and embarrassed us. There was another high school that was it. They embarrassed them. And they were, like, throwing their arms up at us. They would play something, and they was like, what's up, Johnson C. Smith? Well, <laughs> our, our trombones were our best section, and they straight up were playing back at the high school. I'll never forget that. I was like, oh, my God, we're battling with a high school, right? Right, right, right. And my second thought was, we not even part of the battle because as Trump is, we don't like it was just four of us. We didn't know no fanfares or we didn't know mm-hmm. nothing. that. So I was like, we don't even really have nothing to play back. So mm-hmm. that night it, it was over. Like it, that broke me. And I was like, I, I think I need to transfer because I don't wow. want to have that experience like that. Uh, and then I found out that I was playing on the wrong mouthpiece. So oh. I didn't have a trumpet person there to, like, make me a better trumpet player. Right, um, right, right. So, you know, I just broke down, and I remember I came home that summer. I said, Dad, I think I want to go to Jackson State. Like, I want to I wanna go play in the big time. Mm-hmm. And uh, my dad was like, all right, well, I already had everything worked out. My dad had take picture. He had took pictures from the season I was at Smith, and he had it in, like, this, this book for me, and he – he went through the season with me as if I was still living with him, but I was away, you know, at school. So yeah. he had everything archived to show me how the band was in 96 because, you know, he was he really wanted me to go there. And yeah. then once I finally said, Dad, I'm going to Jackson State, he started to cry. And then and, and the rest was history. He was he was so happy. You know what I mean? And and that's how it worked out. I'm, I'm really happy that I marched in the boom. You know, it's, like, it's just how it worked out. So, so let me ask you this: um, What what was your major like? Did you keep your major? Did you switch when you transferred schools and all that? That's that's a good question. So, I originally was a music major. Um, okay. I wanted to be um, Dr. Dre. I wanted to be a music producer. Okay. Right. So, um, when I went to Hampton, Hampton, the reason that was another reason why I picked Hampton. They have a musical engineering degree. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So um, that was the only school that I knew that had. So I went there. Then I got kicked out of that. But then I said I want to still be in music. Well, the music program at Smith was not accredited. Oh, and okay. there was issues about that. And they're like, well, son, you're not taking any music classes. You ain't even playing on the right mouthpiece. Like, you know, you might need to reconsider if you want to still be a music major. So in part, that was part of the decision as well to be a music major there at Jackson State. And okay. I lasted about like two months because music mm-hmm. theory just just dismantled everything in my head. Like it just right. broke me down. And uh, I then switched to history uh, after after my midterms of my freshman okay. year at Jackson State. I switched to history. 
Okay. Uh, and I stayed with that, and then I ended up finishing Jackson State with a um, a BA in history. Okay, okay. So now let's talk about Jackson State. Your time at Jackson State. Tell me um, some of you know. Give me a couple of of things that stick out to you, like your your memories, your best memories, whether they were good or bad, or you know, just your experience. Well, I there. remember. I remember just being scared. Like it was, it was, it was pretty intimidating. Um, because you were meeting like a lot of really, really good trumpet players, you know. Um, and then it was a lot of, you know, the upperclassmen and, you know, the freshmen. So you were worried, you know, with all the upperclassmen running around, you know. Right. Um, I do remember that our class, the eleven of us trumpet players that were that came in together they all kind of like helped me grow up a little bit. Like each one of them had like a different story. Um, but uh, my friend Avery McFadden, he was, he was the best one out of all of us. He's from Marion, South Carolina. Um, he, he, he actually helped me to start studying because we would mm. party all night and we was doing a whole bunch of stuff. And then I remember he had like a three point grade point average or something. And I was like, how are you able to do all? And then still, you know, Mm-hmm. So uh, it was. It, I was around some good people that were going somewhere, um, and it it kind of cleaned me up uh, while I was there. And then I started to practice my horn more because I then understood, you know, who was a good trumpet player and what you needed to do. You know, you needed to know how to. You needed to know all your scales, and you know, you needed to know all the basics. So when me being in that environment, it cleaned up a lot of things for me. So that's one thing mm. I appreciate the music program because it was it was like a grown man program. It wasn't just about the boom. It really was churning out some you know some some leaders in our society. Right, um, right. It, it it made me a better student. Number one. Um, number two, probably the biggest thing is when Southern played on us. We somebody finally put it on Facebook, and I told the show style talk guys. But we marched into Jackson in 97, and Southern got there early, and they waited on us to get in front of them. We always play Get Ready, marching in the stadium, and they waited for the piccolo solo, which is like the softest part of the song. Uh, and they played Hey in the Middle of the Barn, like right when we started, like right when we mm-hmm. were there in front of them. And um, I remember the biggest thing I remember about that, Christy, was we were all surprised. Everybody got off step because we were surprised. We like we were right. we totally weren't expecting that. But I remember WT War and Thunder. Like they said, like their hands were bleeding when they got in the stands because they were beating their drums so hard. They were they were playing series so hard just to hear us over Southern. Right. Something Southern didn't know. They didn't know that when they have their bells up more of the sound is traveling across the stadium. So they weren't, like, pointing their bells in our faces. It looked, like, way worse than what it was on the other side of the field. Right, so, right, right. So, so there, it was quiet enough for us to kind of, like, get it back together, but it was definitely a bonding experience because we, uh, <laughs> we were upset uh-huh. when we got in the stands. We wanted like people wanted to fight, like people wanted like it, it was it was it was off the chain. Um, it made the game really good though, you know what I mean? Because people right, were right, like right. so hyped that the band did that, and uh, 
And uh, I remember that, but then I remember they, they left immediately after the game, Christy. Like, they didn't – they were putting their hats on, like, like five minutes left in the game. And as soon as the game was over, they dipped. And we was upset, like, why y'all, y'all do that? Yeah, yeah, they knew. They knew. So uh, I remember that. That's probably probably my favorite memory of all time, <laughs> probably in the band, because um, it was crazy. It It really was. Well, you know, I've been to a Boombox Classic, and, um, yeah, that was a memorable experience. And I went when it was in Jackson, too, because, like, it's better when you go in Jackson rather than when it's in Baton Rouge, so. Yeah, because people get scared. Um, Another story about that, the following year when we went to Baton Rouge, my guy, Christy, we were on the bus, and then they were like, don't get off the bus. It's a bomb threat. And then we were like, oh, my God. And then they were like, and then, and then, like, we would go somewhere else, and then somebody would get on the bus and be like, everybody get down on the floor. Everybody get down. Hit the floor. They're like, we trying to get – and we was like, what is going on? And and it was just – it was like a scare everywhere we went. We then got to the game. People were yelling at us. They were jeering us. Um, when we were trying to march in the stands, they were throwing bottles in the stands. So, like, <sighs> we would have to, like, move the glass <laughs> out of the way right. to sit down. Oh, my God. It was horrible. And uh, the J sets actually fell out. Either the director or there was some issue, and the J sets went on protest that game. So instead of marching, they showed up at the game and like, like, like this J set, J Jackson State J set, like T-shirts, and they were like sitting in front of the band just cheering, just be totally angry about the situation. So wow. So, yeah, it was a lot of drama going on. And then we had a freshman girl who was a baton twirler. So we had to feature her at the last minute. And then mm-hmm. the song that she wanted, we didn't really know it. Um, the bass drummer who normally counted off the Tiger run-on, he got in trouble and he wasn't there. A freshman had to do it, and the freshman messed up Tiger run-on. Oh, it my was probably, gosh. Yeah, it was one of the worst days ever. And when you look at the tape, it just looks like we were, like, totally a subpar band. <laughs> we were so bad on tape. And so oh, it's like, man. why were they even – man, we looked, we looked horrible. Now, um, you know, now, you know I got to look up um, – you know I got to find that. I'm sure <laughs> yeah. Somewhere online. <laughs> yeah. The, the halftime show that Jackson State did, it, it was bad, let me tell you. Um, we got it together at the end. But for some reason, Southern didn't stick around. They played one song, and they left. We were like, what's going on? So we played a little bit. We felt, you know, we felt a little bit better about ourselves after the game. But then once we broke and started marching to the bus, people started throwing stuff at us. And then we kind of had to break out of formation and just get on the bus, <laughs> you know, right. go home. It was, it was a bad day. You know what I'm wow. saying? Was, wow. Yeah, it was a bad day. Other than other than Southern, who who were your favorite bands to to face against? Or you know, did you did you have a favorite band that you like to face against? Sure, I'm sure Southern was one of them just because of the rivalry. But yeah, Southern. Um, we we played against Florida A&M in '98, and I really I really enjoyed that. Um, it was special because Doc had threw a lot of people out of the band that year. 
Um, my freshman year, 97, we were like a powerhouse band. We had the numbers. We had everything. But then Doc, he threw a lot of people out because there was a lot of knuckleheads up in there, you know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we were small when we played against FAM. Um, but then that night we went to their hotel, and that's all they talked about. They was like, damn, y'all sounded good. Like, you know, your upper brass, you know, blah, blah, blah. Like, and we were surprised because, you know, we didn't think we were that good, you know, because we had lost mm-hmm. so many people. So that gave us some confidence. Um, Texas Southern was always good because they were small, but they were, they were like, loud. Like, they right. would run with us for a while, you know yeah. what I mean? So they I were challenging. That Texas I remember that Texas Man. Southern. Mm-hmm. Like, I mean, they were, they were good. Uh, so those two, I remember, of course, Southern, of course, but then the Alcorn game is most important because, you know, the, the freshmen cross into the band right. at the end, you know, so that's special. And um, Alcorn, you know, it's, they're like, you know, little brother Jackson State anyway. So, you know, you right. always want to try to make sure that you do better than them because they're always trying to shake that little brother image. You know, they're mm-hmm. always trying to break out free and say, hey, we're the better program. Um, so they right. were always competitive. Um, mm-hmm. So, yeah, all corn probably. But, yeah, probably most looking forward to was, it was probably Southern. Tennessee State was a good was a good test because it was always early in the year, but Tennessee right. State always had a lot of songs. Mm-hmm. So when we would battle with them in Memphis, it was a good test to see like how how well how big our book is and how well the book is. Right. Uh, because one year we ran out of songs and ninety it was that first year ninety seven. We were really good, but we we hadn't practiced that many songs. So mm-hmm. after the game, I remember we went to the fifth quarter with them, and we ran out of songs. Like, right. and they were just over there cooking. They were just over mm-hmm. there playing everything. You know what I'm saying? And and uh, <laughs> we we just had to leave. That was it. Yeah. yeah. So let's talk about let's talk about the marching podcast. Okay. So tell me about how you uh, began with the marching podcast, and yeah, talk about that. So I moved out here to California in 2006, um, and, um, you know, this is really this kind of catapulted my career. And moving to California, I had never been this far west before, um, so I was excited just because it was California. But when I got here, I noticed that there ain't, ain't too many black people out here. Like, mm-hmm. we, we, we see menace to society. We see boyhoods. Well, that, those are certain pockets of California. Oakland, you got like your major cities, but across the whole, it's very different from us black folks in the South. Whereas in North Carolina, you might have an entire black county or you might have an entire stretch of a black neighborhood. The per capita black folks, it's it's not like that. So it's a lot of pockets of people. Where I am, I'm an hour from downtown LA, like on the way to Palm Springs, and there are not as many black people out here. So when I settled, um, you know, I'm all HBCU'd out. That was the biggest thing that I noticed, that young black people here, they didn't have BET like I did marching in front of the TV where I just knew I was going to college. Like right. they, they don't have that here. Um, it's, it's, it's in sports. There are a lot of people that play sports, so they say, oh, you know, I'm going to go play sports. But, you know, us HBCUs back south, there's a pride element. 
And I think it plays a difference when, as you grow into an adult, you say, you know, I want to be a part of that. I wanted to bring that here to California, and I wanted to make black people out here aware about black schools, students, to say, hey, you know, when you weigh your college, at least maybe consider a black school. Um, So Mm -hmm. what my first thing I I wanted to do was um, I wanted to have like a music school. Um, So like I would say, okay, maybe I'll, I'll start practicing my trumpet again and I'll pick up lessons from people and I'll try to develop like a band or I'll do something like that. Um, and then I met a guy who developed a music school, um, the uh, head director at Pacific Press, uh, the DCI company yeah. out here. Uh, oh, yeah. Stuart Pom- okay, Stuart Pompeo is his name. I talked to him, and he was like, yeah, brother, what exactly are you trying to do? And I was like, man, I don't know. So he actually, I actually chopped it up with him, and mm-hmm. he actually sat down and gave me uh, – and, and when I say chop it up, I'm not talking about the – uh, I'm talking about the podcast yet, but I actually sat down and talked to him, and right. he gave me a list of things that I needed and things I should weigh as far as creating a music school. And when I talked to him, that's when I realized I don't want to create a music school. So I then said, you know, well, what else can I do? How else can I give back? And then I decided to come up with a blog, and that's when I started the blog that I have now, the marching, uh, the marchingblogcast.com. Mm-hmm. And it was originally just supposed to be, like, information about black colleges. Well, um, I met a guy, um, Jared Carter Sr., um, mm-hmm. and he is the founder of HBCU Digest. Yeah. He went to Bowie State. Um, he, was on, he was on Twitter, and he had a show on Blog Talk Radio. Mm-hmm. And he would go on Blog Talk Radio, and he would do his show talking about black colleges. I called him. I was like, dog, this is awesome. This is like, well, how do you? And I talked to him, and next thing you know, I signed up on Blog Talk Radio, and I tried to, and that's essentially how it started. So the okay. blog started on September yeah. 11, 2011. So I okay. used that as my founding day for the marching podcast. Okay, okay. Uh, and then May 21st, the following spring, which is my mother's birthday, 2012, is when I started um, using Blog Talk Radio to do the Marsha podcast. And okay. My, and my first couple of episodes were, like, more discussion um, and, like, you know, like getting it out there, like, hey, A&T played this school or so-and-so, and it was, like, discussion. Um, and then... From there, I just kind of wanted to get the word out so more people out here would just know about black colleges. Um, and then the second thing, the very next person that came along was someone called Christy Walker. <laughs> oh, gosh. I started researching HBCU Band Radio, HBCU Band Podcast, and the fifth quarter.com podcast showed up. And I was like, hey, that's the that's the blog that's the forum thing because I was on it but mm-hmm. like I didn't know who you were and I didn't make the association that that's what the podcast was so I started listening to your show and I listened to like all of your show because me being an engineer mm-hmm. a lot of what I do is like simulating tests so mm-hmm. a lot of time I can just sit and listen to radio or listen to podcasts I listen to like all of your podcast. And then I said, okay, I'm going to proceed forward with this format for my show. 
Okay. And then I'm going to reach out and try to meet Christy to see if she was going to be on the show or if I could do an interview with her. So that's how really things got rolling. Once I heard your show and I got like an idea of what I wanted to do, then I kind of I kind of ran with it after that. And I met Rashad. Okay. I think I did the show, and Rashad called in, and then I met him, and then he said, "Well, hey, you know, I I got the fruit analysis. I'm I'm prune juice on the fifth quarter. You know, I would like yeah. to start doing that. You know." So then we got together, and you know, the the, the rest is history, as they say. Yeah, yeah. So, okay, I have learned so much about you on this. I mean, you know, we've known each other all these years, but it's like, you know, there are some things that I didn't know, which is great. So, yeah. okay. So tell me, you know, with the Marching Podcast and, uh, you know, just tell me some of the, the highlights of it. Like, what are some of the things that you've accomplished with the Marching Podcast? Well, I've given some students some money. That's yeah. like my biggest thing. Um, I am, however, walking the line of profit and like just giving back because I enjoy paying a tithe, if you will, like when I pay for my website and when I pay for all of the things to do to do this whole marching podcast, I feel good because I'm paying for it. You know what I'm saying? Okay, so uh, – the Marching Podcast consists of four shows, okay? The 90-degree show is like Sports Center, and that's when we talk about one of the band competitions from the weekend. Um, the director series is when I focus on a director, and maybe they maybe might have a book, or they may have like a seminar that we want to focus on, and um, I'll do like a certain, like a three- or four-part series featuring that director and their expertise. Um, we have... Chopping It Up, which is just the basic interview show, which is similar to what we're doing. And then we have National Signing Day. And National Signing Day for marching bands is when we highlight students in the 12th grade going to march somewhere next year. And they get to tell us where they're going to march, very similar to the athletes do with football. Athletes do with basketball, and they say, hey, you know, I'm going to Duke. And then they put the Duke hat hat on or something Mm -hmm. like that. Well, we're doing the same thing now to focus the kids, but also focus and blow up the school some. So, um, but that's been probably the most rewarding, where I focus and 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 we get we get the student um, to say what they're doing, where they're going, so the world sees more positive influence of these young black kids saying that they're going somewhere other than you know acad- uh, athletics. Or they're they're right. they're picking a school other than something. Then you know, hey, I'm I'm a I want to go play for Nick Saban so I can make the league and buy my mama a house. Y- you know right. what I'm saying? Trying to focus on something other than that. Well, we are gonna go ahead and wrap up this interview, but I wanted to um, ask you if you had any like parting parting advice or parting words or anything that you want to get across about your experience marching at the two schools where you marched or, you know, if you have anything else you'd like to add. Go to class. <laughs> that is that is my motto. I say the same thing to the students that finish National Signing Day. I was so enamored with the band that I wasn't tripping off getting my education and that stymied a lot of things now it's Mm -hmm. good to love the band and want to be part of the band but at the same time 
know that you're going to college, you know, so you can't have the band without going to school. And right. I love, Christy, let me tell you something. I love when I was at Jack, and I did it at Smith too, but I thought that I was like a professional athlete and the delusion of my mind, I was like, I'm going to get up, kick it with my friends, I'm going to go to the calf, and then mm-hmm. I'll probably take a shower maybe, and then i show up for band practice. Like right. my day centered around band practice at 6 o'clock, whereas I try to tell people now, don't let that happen. Because when I showed up at the spring semester, like I, I, I saw my grade, I had a 1.23 grade point average, and I spent the rest of my time making up for it. You know, right. I wanted to pledge when I was at Jackson State. There was a lot of stuff I wanted to do there at Jackson State, and I couldn't do it because I was petitioning my classes, right. you know. Um, so I finally, in the end, I finished with a 3.0, but I mm-hmm. promise you probably there was a, probably a good year. I just literally took classes over, like mm. I petitioned them. So I wasted a lot of time. So, yes, that's my parting advice. Go to class. All right, Joe, that is some great advice. So glad you were able to talk with me. This was a lot of fun. And, um, yeah, so thanks for just being you. And, you know, we'll be listening for the next marching podcast. So it was good talking to you. It's good talking to you as well. And I'm, and I'm honored. Like I said, it's been uh, really nice meeting you. And I really appreciate um, all the things you're doing as well. It's made a difference in my life. So thank you to you. You have listened to the HBCU Band Experience with Christy Walker. Interviews and editing conducted by yours truly, Dr. Christy Walker. The music is District 4 by Kevin McLeod. And you can find this podcast on hbcubandexperience.podbean.com. You can find us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever else you get your podcasts. Take care.